podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Boom! Bosco's Boys is here. I think we all wanted it. And the marriage is officially official. I'm so pumped to bring my show to the 1012 Network, Bosco's Boys, the most consistent K-State podcast out there. Over four years with at least one episode a week. Bringing live shows to the listeners and to the participants every Wednesday at 7 p.m. I'm pumped to be here and I would love it if you guys came over to Bosco's Boys and gave us a listen. Because we are not Big J Journos. This is a podcast by a fan and his dog for fellow K-State and Big 12 fans. And I can't wait to chop it up with all the members and fans of the 1012 Network. And welcome back to the Rock Chalk Podcast. I am your host, Andy Metz. Today, we are reviewing the last couple weeks or so for the Kansas Jayhawks. We've been doing it off and on in some of the other episodes, but doing some other strange stuff, uh, you know, bringing on the guests to talk about the conference as a whole. So to help me talk about this team, both of these teams, both men and women, coming back to the podcast, he is our, our deputy editor over at Blue Wings Rising, Kyle Davis. Um, Kyle, how you doing today? I'm, I'm good. I'm, uh, I'm, uh, just, I feel lucky, uh, after, after these, uh, stretch of games that we've had, I'm ready for tomorrow though. I'm, I'm on the edge of my seat with this, uh, Sunflower Showdown, which probably has more anticipation to it than we've had in what, six, seven years at least. Oh, I know. Uh, you know, I had thought about trying to, to squeeze in a, a Kansas state specific preview and decided it just wasn't worth it for this particular one because of the short timing and everything, but this is, um, yeah, like you said, I, you know, I, I had put out on Twitter, I was like, man, so much for, you know, this, this Iowa State and Kansas State stretch being like the quote unquote, you know, time off or easy stretch in the Big 12 conference. Um, this is probably one of the harder stretches that the Jayhawks have in the entire slate. So, um, you know, I mean, they, they went to West Virginia, won that one pretty easily, but then came home, had a surprising difficult time with Oklahoma. Um, and then Iowa State obviously came to uh, town on Saturday, and the Jayhawks were able to pull out a 62-60 to win, which that was, I mean, that was as good a game as you can hope for. That was not, you know, I even had Iowa State fans that I talked to that normally, you know, are upset about the, the quote-unquote home cooking that the Jayhawks get at home, which, you know, home court advantage happens for everybody. But, like, there weren't, other than the fact that Kansas didn't get a foul called on them in the last, like, 14 minutes of the game, um, and a lot of that had to do, I think, with styles of the way that both of those teams were playing. Like, there's not really a lot to complain about in this game for anybody. The refs were not great, but they definitely did not make their presence very much known. Unlike, you know, like a West Virginia Baylor game that happened earlier in the week where there was like 70 something fouls. It was ridiculous. So, you know, this is uh, this has definitely uh, been a great stretch for the Jayhawks. They are on a oh, gosh, is it what a. Uh, a nine game or a 10 game winning streak, a, t- a 10 game winning streak now heading into Kansas state um, from, from the last few games. Cause it's been a little while since we talked, what, what's the big thing that you've noticed or what's the big thing that jumps out to you about this team? Yeah. And that's a, that's the sixth longest winning streak in the country right now too. that 10 game winning streak. Um, you know, I thought, I thought CJ Moore had a really good piece out there about how, the, the difference between luck and efficiency, especially at the end of the games. And actually right before 
we jumped on shot quality, uh, put out their top 10 teams in, in terms of basically, you know, it's like who is, who is both efficient and also, uh, you know, taking good quality shots and looking at slot shot selection and all the advanced analytics right now. And Kansas is number two behind Purdue. And I think that's what you're seeing is that at the end of the games, it's Bill Self. It's, it's the credit to where, you know, he has, he has the right button to press on these situations, but also the, the players who there was a good, you know, it, there's a good breakdown by CJ Moore about an Iowa state game specifically how the last play was supposed to go to Jalen Wilson Iowa State dropped in. He was going to get double teamed. So Harris instead went to KJ. KJ was able to would take the rack, rack and finish well. So, like, you know, this is the thing. I know every fan base wants their team to win by 20. It looks good. But we've seen time and time again when the teams have not been tested all year and then they get in pressure situations uh, late in the season when it matters and one and done and you're out and they don't know how to deal with it. So, I mean, I feel like you've – it's not only it, – there's, there's other ways to look at it. Oklahoma is one of those teams – that has all of the close game tight situation experience, but they lose them all. And that, you know, says something too. And there's, there's something to be said for being able to, to be victorious in those situations coming off the heels of what happened with the comeback kids last NCAA tournament. I just think this team, it, it's, it's value. It, you know, it's ugly at times, but in those two minute stretches, you just see the the defense ramps up that the offense, they just, they never seem to make the wrong play. Sometimes they miss shots, but it always seems like they're good looks. And they always seem to be able to take away, you know, what the other team wants to do. And at least in Iowa State specifically, I was glad to see that the defensive intensity really ramped up from the Oklahoma game. The Oklahoma game was pretty rough from especially the the interior paint defense. So I was happy with uh, with the way that the defense really seemed much more amped and getting in the grills, even if Iowa State made some tough shots. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's one of those things. You look at, like, what happened last year, right? There were there was multiple times where this team got down and was able to come all the way back, um, and that really helped them in the NCAA tournament when they got down against Miami, then they got down against North Carolina. Like, they, they had a lot of experience with those sort of situations, and when you get to the NCAA tournament, it's not very often, you know, that you're winning blowouts, especially as you get further and further in, so them having this type of experience, these close games, having to tough out big wins, having to, you know, execute down the stretch defensively, especially has been huge is good experience for them. And I think will serve them well come tournament time. Obviously if they just run into a team that has it, you know, that is just lights out shooting. Like that's how Kansas has typically lost in the last few years is that they run into a team that is just super hot from beyond the arc or is just really, you know, just, just can't seem to miss and they can't seem to hit nearly as much as they normally do. Um, this is not a team. And, and I think we kind of take this for granted, but Bill Self's teams are not teams that get outworked, that get out toughed, um, especially when you get to the tournament without any sort of like injury or, you know, something else that causes big problems going. Cause I, you know, I'm thinking of the year when the COVID year, when they go, when they go in and they end up losing to USC because, Hey, guess what? McCormick was dealing with COVID right before, like he, you know, they, they ended up getting out of the, the big 12 tournament because of that. So for the most part, though, this is a very resilient team is a very tough team that knows what they're doing and has that experience to be able to play well down the stretch. Looking at this specific game, um, just looking at the performances, cause, cause you, you talked about what Dewan Harris did at the end, you know, with, with that assist to KJ and, and kind of making those good decisions, but you know, this was a game I think for Grady Dick to finally get off of 
the the slump that he was in. He was five of nine from three, which is something that we hadn't seen in quite a while. Um, you know, I'm thinking he had multiple games where he was just like, I, I I think he had what was it recently like two or three games where he made one out of like five or six or something like that. So, um, but he is up to 48 percent from three on the year, which is absolutely ridiculous. Is is he the best three point shooter the Kansas seen in a really long time? Uh, yeah, well, and in terms of freshmen, I think he is one of the best three-point shooters just in general we've seen in a while because I was doing some digging, and, and I'll, I'll put you on the spot here. Uh, so shout out to Sports Reference. I was I was playing around with the play index right before we came on, talking about freshmen who have both shot at least 45% from three and taken at least 93 pointers since 1992. Uh, where do you think Brady Dick falls on this list? Just just take a stab in the dark. I mean, I probably guess. And, and, I, and I will say there, there's 94 people that come up here that have done that. 94 people in the last roughly 20 years have, as freshmen, shot 45% wow. uh, or more with... Uh, with well, and I'm assuming, though, that this is over the course of an entire season, whereas Grady Dick, it we're is. talking about half of a season. So I, I would guess, as of right now, if we're going by percentage... Um, he probably, I would say, is fourth or fifth. He's twenty second. Okay, but but he is. But again, this is all. This is, there's a lot of mid majors on here, and also he's already taken more threes than probably four or five people ahead of him. And there's some big names like Marcus Howard is second right now. Uh, who you know, Marquette uh, legend, uh, Kyle Guy from uh from uh virginia steve novak uh on here on this list there's a lot of you can kind of go down memory lane here but it, it's uh, isaiah Kanaan who it was in the nba like there's he is in getting into uncharted territory and i will say there's no other jayhawks around him right now so in terms of yes the the best shooters in a long time and from a freshman standpoint you see a lot of guys the the Spies and Devonte and everyone else who, you know, shows glimpses as a freshman, but then by a junior, they're really, you know, lights out shooters, whatever. He's just, he's just, it, and you know, his, his stroke is so great. His, his, it's so released, like his, his release is so quick. Like the, there's, you know, he, and he's got the confidence that even if he misses four or five, like he thinks the next one's going in and a lot of time he is. So yes, it is. Um, I think this speaks a lot to, his his just jumping in right away plus KJ Adams emergence this season is probably maybe the two biggest reasons you can point to as to this 10 game winning streak because you saw early in the year when there were questions offensively Jalen Wilson would feel like he had to do it all Kevin McCuller would force some shots like this outlet valve to where again the end of the Iowa State game they they are they are dropping their other post weak side post behind Jalen Wilson to be able to trap him thinking he's going to get the ball to be able to then give it to someone like KJ and know he's going to go make a play is something that, you know, that if Kansas doesn't have, I think they probably already lost one or two games in this league. Same thing with Grady Dick, you know, when freshmen coming in, we've seen plenty of them. You don't know how they're going to perform. There's plenty of five-star freshmen in the league right now. You can look at Duke and other places that just, they're not living up to expectations. I think, his playmaking and I will say his rebounding also has been has been really good um, are probably two of the biggest reasons why Kansas is playing as well as it is. And I will say KJ probably should have had six or seven assists in this game. The the uh, the catch it in the middle of the paint cross court to Grady Dick, who for some reason Iowa State kept not <laughs> hedging on with their help was wide open. I mean, in the first half, he he 
KJ made some great passes that were just misses that, uh, again, with you got the smaller guy in the post able to work it around. The ball movement was so much better against Iowa State than it was against Oklahoma. Those two guys, I think, have to get a lot of credit for for everything that's happened in Big 12 play, but even just, you know, the last two months of play. Yeah, and, and I think that's the one thing that this team does even better. Like last year, it was underrated how good of an interior passer David McCormick was. Um, you know, like when, when he was double teamed, when he didn't have something, he was good at finding an open guy. KJ Adams, I think is that, but on steroids, like he, he absolutely is always looking for the right guy to get, or the, the right place to take the ball to, whether that's him taking the ball to the hoop or that's him finding somebody on the outside. And like you said, he had some phenomenal passes in that game and they just weren't able to knock down the shots. I am curious. Do you happen to know Grady Dick who the number one, uh, comparison is according to Ken Palm. I have Ken Palm up, but I'm not going to cheat. I promise. Um, oh man, how recent are it's, we talking? It's like, a very is a very well known name for the Kansas Jayhawk faithful, but probably not in a great way. Um, no, no, no. Actually, it's it's really oh, good. Like it's surprising. Really? I I looked at this. I was a little bit surprised. I will tell you some of the other ones. Um, Xavier Henry in 010 or in 2010. Cam Reddish in 2019, Gary Trent in 2018. Those are three of the five that are listed there. But the number one is somebody that Kansas fans are very familiar with and, and in a very, very good way. Okay. Um, well, yeah. And first of all, the, I, I've never been high on, on Cam Reddish. So, like, let's let's get that out of there because Grady Dick is better than Cam Reddish ever was. Oh, oh yes. Yes, for sure. It, it's um, not – I okay. mean, that's like a 90% I, out of – you know, because they do it out of basically like 90% – Similar to Cam Reddish, Xavier Henry's like eighty nine point four. So it's it's I mean it's it's somewhat close, it's, but yeah. not. Are we going like? Is he? Is it a former Jayhawk? Yes, it, it is a former okay. Jayhawk. It is somebody who um, I think you would probably say is in a very similar role to what Grady Dick is, which bodes well, I think, considering how highly thought of this particular player is. Well, I mean, as my first guess was going to be Ben McLemore. Um, but when you when you set that up, I'm like thinking, is it like a, is it like a Wiggins type? Uh, no, actually, it's it's here, it's okay. V from 2017. V, so okay. so See, not the year they went to the Final Four, but the year before. Um, yeah, you know that that's a I think it's a very good comparison. But the funny thing is, you go look at what Svi had in that particular season. Um, like his three point shooting was at 39.8 percent on the year. Um, and how many did he take? And he took 176. So, like, we're about, you know, he's, Grady Dick is on pace for that same level of production and that same clip. I I do find it funny that, you know, Svi took 260, basically, (laughs) the next year and upped it to 44%. I don't think that Grady Dick's going to get that good uh, or have that many shots in terms of from three, unless he just takes a bunch moving forward. But you, you look at the percentages that we have for Grady Dick, he is... You know, he is another three-point sharpshooter that I don't think, you know, like I, I said this earlier, this is a team that has that three-point threat that we didn't have last year. And so you look at what, like, that's what the team last year was missing was that reliable three-point threat, someone that everybody had to pay attention to when they're out on the perimeter. Grady Dick is that. And you're right. It was a little weird that Iowa State didn't really take that away as much as you would have expected. I think part of that, though, is, it seemed like they were trying to focus more on KJ Adams on the inside um, and ended up getting some guys into foul trouble on, on in the post, which made it a little bit more difficult. Um, you know, which is why, 
which is why having these guys is huge because then you look at that last play and I saw some of the screenshots of it. They were, they were tied on Dick when Dwan had the ball on the same side, Wilson down low, which means the only person that you had to help off of to get, to try and double Jalen was KJ. And so like that, they, you know, Iowa state did what you would logically want to do. You would, if you're going to, if you're going to try and put extra pressure on anybody and two people on, on the JRs, you would put it on Grady Dick and Jalen Wilson. That makes logical sense. So like TJ Ossenberger knows what he's doing. It just happens that, then Harris has an outlet ball with KJ Adams who can go make a play. So it's not a, it's not a, um, it's not a shame on Iowa state or like a, 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 or a slap against them. It's just like, this is what Kansas has that is so tough to stop because if you don't have KJ Adams there, then Kansas probably doesn't score because you're forcing it into Jalen. He's either, you know, he's double teamed and, and either, you know, misses or whatever, that what KJ Adams has turned into has completely changed what this offense is capable of and gives that other person that you have to account for to your point. It's like, okay, do we, do we stick uh, with Grady Dick and not help? Do we try and double Jalen Wilson? Do we leave KJ Adams one-on-one to to have some momentum and, and drive down the lane? Like what do you, you got Kevin McCullough on the other end? Like, what are you supposed to do there? And that's the luxury that Kansas had that we didn't know what that was going to look like two months ago. Yeah, I mean, and and I think that's what really jumps out to you is that this team has found a way to play in the post that is not what we were expecting is, you know, I I think it's a lot more successful than what we thought they would have to do um, in terms of getting a guy like Zuby Ejiofor or a guy like Ernest Uday, um, you know, heavily involved. Adams brings a different level of energy to this team. He brings a different look that makes it a lot harder for, you know, those high tempo defensive teams like Iowa State like uh you know what TCU or Texas Tech tries to do more 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 Texas Tech I think than than TCU but like this is a I think this is a a setup that works really well in this Big 12 obviously there's going to be questions about how well it transfers into the or translates into the NCAA tournament but that a lot of that's going to depend on matchups um but like this is this is about uh, you know as good of a a lineup as good of a system as you could expect coming into the Big 12 I am definitely um you know, a little bit worried about some of the stuff that Iowa State was able to do inside. Um, Osun Osunia, I, I forget how you say his name, but I, I forgot to look it up before we got started. But he had 14 points on the inside. He ended up fouling out, which is what I think ended up making the difference down low at the end of the game. Because Kansas was able to go inside a lot more, was able to do a lot more. But Kansas, you know, struggled um, to defend that on the on the you know defensive end when Iowa State went inside. I am curious to see what other kind of teams are going to try to replicate that sort of production and how Bill Self is going to get ready for the return game up in Iowa State, um, you know, because that that could potentially be a big issue. I, I think that we will see differences when we go up there, but it was definitely something that worked really well, and Kansas is going to have to find a way explicitly to account for that because Iowa State's not the only team that that is in this conference that can do that sort of thing on the inside. Yeah, you already saw it from Musa Cisse and, and with Oklahoma State, and, and I know we'll get to this in a little bit, but um, uh, uh, Naquan Tomlin with Kansas State is is a similar guy you're going to have to account for. And this is where, yeah, I I keep waiting for, I don't know if it's, you know, I don't know what happened to Ernest Uday in, in terms of him like completely getting cut out of the lineup in terms, I don't know if he's having bad practices or what, but like this is where you need Zuby or someone, even if you need to give some fouls or something for for KJ not to be in foul trouble, you need 
a bigger body. Zach Clements is great for chasing around the Tanner Groves of the world, um, as, as we've seen, but you need someone. And first of all, like this is not a knock on KJ. KJ plays well above his height and stature uh, and is in, you know, he's been a great shot blocker and he's just been all around about as well as you can ask for. But we don't, there's not that rim protection. There's again, we, yeah, give up fouls. I think there's sometimes it's a little too easy. Uh, and even with guards driving to the paint, like we saw against Oklahoma um, and being able to just get there a little too easy and the big men being able to seal off their guys. I don't know if it's going to be Zuby or who, but we do need that other second bigger post player to come in and give a solid 10 minutes uh, and, and really try to, to clog up the middle a little bit more than it is now. Well, and, and when you have an energy guy as your, you know, post guy, he cannot play the entire 40 minutes because he can't maintain that level of energy the entire game. So, um, yeah, we definitely need, they definitely need to find somebody that can help out. Um, I mean, you look at edge four, he had seven minutes. Zach Clements in the last couple games has come on and, and played some, some pretty good minutes. I think though, he was, he was somewhat of a defensive liability against, uh, against Iowa state, which made it difficult for him to stick out there. And that's, I think the big problem is that what you need in a guy that comes in is a guy that can really help defensively, uh, to avoid drop offs. And so, Clements has a ways to go, I think, still there to be defensively capable of stepping in. Um, you know, this is, but this is a Kansas team, I think that you're right, is like set up to handle a lot of the the differences in the Big 12 play really well. Um, but there are going to be a lot of teams that try to learn from what Iowa State's done, that try to learn from what Oklahoma State's done, and find ways to attack. There are so many good coaches. As, as I was talking with uh, Robbie Triano on, on our, you know, our Big 12 essentially preview episode, which happened a few games in. Um, this is probably the best slate of coaches that the Big 12 has had in a long time. And that's saying something because there's been some fantastic Big 12 coaches. Um, you know, with, with the exception of Chris Beard no longer being in the Big 12, like you are seeing a, a huge slate of really good coaches that are perfect fit for the programs that they're leading um, you know, even, even Mark Adams, you know, at Texas tech right now, sure. They're struggling this year, but I think that's more of a personnel slash everybody else is kind of getting used to the way that they play. Not, not because Mark Adams isn't a great coach. Um, it's been very interesting to see how these teams are at game planning. And I think that also adds to kind of the, um, I guess the, the chaos in the big 12, because you don't know how much different a team is going to look. Kansas state's a perfect example. You know, they looked they looked phenomenal against Texas. You know, they've, they've done a lot of different things. They've changed up the way that they played. They've had huge offense, offensive nights. They've had some pretty good defensive nights. And then they laid a dud against TCU. And I think that was a lot more because of what Jamie Dixon did to counteract the way that they play than it was, you know, and, and probably Kansas State going a little bit cold than it was Kansas State just all of a sudden, you know, not being a good team anymore. So um, it's very interesting to look at all this. The, the You know, they're all bunched up. You look at the at the uh, the the rankings that just came out the A the AP poll. You know you've got Kansas up at two, Texas at seven, and then you have three Big Twelve teams in Iowa State, Kansas State, and TCU all bunched from twelve to fourteen. Um, this is going to be a super competitive conference, and of course Baylor's lurking down there at twenty one. So you've got half of the Big Twelve in the top twenty five. Um, all you know four four teams in the top fourteen for the Big Twelve. Like it is just absolutely ridiculous how strong this conference is and how much of a beast it's going to be the rest of the way. Which is probably 
why it's good to put a PSA out there again that Kansas will lose a couple games. It's not going to – we can't talk about how the Big 12 is by far away the, the, the toughest conference in a gauntlet and then say that Kansas is going to run the table. It's just not feasible for all the reasons you mentioned. So, like, it's, it's both – Kansas will probably lose – three games and that's okay. That doesn't mean that they're now suddenly a fraud. Like I think it's just, you know, in the moment, like there's going to be some losses. It could be Tuesday on the road and when K-State's jacked up there, but it's just one of those things where the good thing is, is that with the scheduling and I, I tweeted about this yesterday, but Kansas right now has is tied for the most quad one wins in the country with Purdue. They have, they're tied for second for the most quad two wins overall right now. They are, I think 11 and one in the top two quadrants. Like, you're going to get every game remaining is basically either a quad one or quad two game in this conference. You're going to be able to rack up a lot. So even with some losses, this conference is going to give you so many opportunities and Kansas has already done so well for itself in that resume building regard. Like there's still going to be quite a bit of room for a one seed and and high placement within the NCAA tournament just because of what they've already accomplished and because this league is so good. Yeah, for sure. All right. So before we jump over to what, uh, you know, is coming up here, um, a couple of different things. First of all, I do want to talk about what the women and what they have done and kind of where they're sitting at. Um, but I also need to go ahead and throw it to a quick break. We'll be right back on the Rock Chalk Podcast. Here at the Rock Chalk Podcast, we are happy to be sponsored by Home Field Apparel, the most comfortable vintage college sports apparel anywhere. They've got t-shirts, sweaters, hoodies, joggers, a whole bunch more. They're always adding new stuff, refreshing lines, and doing a bunch of different fantastic things over there at homefieldapparel.com. They have more than 140 different schools with the most insane, uh, incredible vintage college logos that you will find anywhere um, i have way too much kansas stuff they've got they've got kansas they've got every school in the big 12 both those that are now in the big 12 and the ones that are coming and they have every other power five school as well the logos are absolutely ridiculous i have way too many of them for way too many schools that i have absolutely no affiliation with um, i absolutely love my university of delaware U, uh, ud shirt uh, love that one. I've got the Zot baseball shirt um, and plenty of Kansas shirts, of course. You can go over and get your collection started by going to homefieldapparel.com using promo code CHALK12 to get 15% off your entire first order and all orders over $100 have free shipping. Again, we are happy to be sponsored by Homefield Apparel, the most comfortable vintage college sports apparel anywhere. Go over to Homefield Apparel, promo code CHALK12 will get you 15% off that entire first order and all orders over $100 get free shipping. I'm Sam, and I co-host the Scott Holm Podcast, the known universe's first Houston Cougar sports podcast. Every week, even during the offseason, my co-host Dustin and I come on and talk everything current as it relates to the Cougs, and every so often, we'll bring on UH luminaries like Carl Lewis, Kellen Sampson, and a number of other fantastic Cougar voices, and as proud members of the 1012 Network, we also find the time to talk about our future conference and future opponents in the Big 12 as well. If all of that sounds even a little bit interesting to you, we would love it if you subscribe to the Scott Holm Podcast on Apple, Spotify, and everywhere else you put podcasts in your ears. That's podcast spelled P-A-W-D cast because the two of us hosting the show are nothing if not big dorks. So thank you and go Cougs. And we're back here with Kyle Davis, our deputy editor over at Blue Wings Rising, talking about the last couple of weeks here for the Kansas Jayhawks. Um, we already talked about the men. The the women, unfortunately, had a very um, difficult, I think, week and a half with 
three really good ranked teams. Well, I guess now ranked teams um, losing at home to Baylor by a, you know, by a, like a 15 point margin. That, that one wasn't that great, but then two hard fought games against Texas and then Oklahoma on the road this last week. Um, you know, they, they did lose all three of those, the game against Oklahoma, they were actually up by seven at the half and just were not able to hold down a phenomenal Oklahoma offense. Um, you know, for the entire time. So Kansas, uh, the women are two and three in the conference right now, dropped out of the top 25 in the poll that just released. Um, but, you know, looking at the rest of this conference and kind of looking at the rest of the the way that this slate, you know, uh, like what, what jumps out to you about this team? Have you noticed anything different? I, I know you aren't following them quite as closely because it's a little bit more difficult to with, for example, that Texas game being on the Longhorn Network that nobody gets. Um, but what have you noticed about this team? Is there anything that really jumps out to you about them and the rest of their slate? I think I think the big thing is is that that it was a, I mean that was an incredibly hard stretch of games that they just went through, and you know the Big Twelve on the women's side, well probably not apples to apples with the men in terms of toughness. Like there's there's a lot of quality teams there, and like I said, <clears throat> Texas was the lone not ranked team at the time, but then after they beat Kansas, they went off and beat Iowa State, who was ranked. So like they're on a roll here. I think it's less about what happened in those uh, three games and more about what happens next, I think. And how do you bounce back? You've got West Virginia at home. It's a winnable game. Iowa State on the road is going to be tough, but you know, there's, there's a stretch in here coming up where can you, you know, can you go through the West Virginia, Iowa State, K-State three game stretch and go two and one now coming out of that. I I think uh, like some of the, some of the last, you know, three, I mean, a lot of it is, it, it was a rough schedule. It's tough. You would have liked to get one of those, obviously, especially with, you know, two on the road makes it, makes it harder. So I'm, I'm less likely going to write them off for the three game stretch that we see now and more, you know, that's, that's a tough position. Let me see what you're going to do next and how you handle these next three. Cause I think that will say quite a bit. Yeah. I mean, the other thing to think about too, is that this was, this was a very front loaded schedule, right? Like you had, you had the the first two games, Oklahoma State and Texas Tech. Like, Texas Tech is down at the bottom of the conference, but Oklahoma State is actually showing to be a fairly good team this year. They've they've already upset Baylor, um, you know, after Kansas lost to Baylor. So, like, they are a team, I think, that gets thrown in the mix as a, as potentially a surprise contender in the Big 12 this year. They're 3-2 they're and two in the conference um, after winning again this weekend as well. So, um, you know, that, that was a tough game that Kansas got a win in, and then you have – a stretch of, you know, three huge contenders in the conference, all all teams that you thought were going to be up towards the top of the conference. And I think the expectation going into those games was that you were hoping to split with every single one of those other contenders. So if you split with Iowa State, you split with Texas, Oklahoma, and Baylor, you feel really good because of the way that the rest of this conference is going to beat up on each other, that you are going to be in it at the end. Like, I would not be shocked to see the winner of the conference have five losses. Uh, you know, that's how tough this conference is going to be. And Kansas, like you said, gets to play West Virginia, gets to play a depleted Kansas State team. Um, they haven't played TCU at all yet, and TCU has struggled this year. So, like, they have a very – a much easier end of the schedule than they do the front of the schedule, which is completely the opposite of what happened last year, where they got to be contenders with a very, I guess, soft schedule or much much more soft schedule up front, which allowed them – you know, to to kind of get into the race and then had to fight for a that backloaded schedule. 
it's the opposite this year, especially if, you know, depending on how well Iowa State holds on with the injuries that they've been dealing with. Um, there's a lot of opportunities. And I think the thing that jumps out to me the most is how well Wyvet Mayberry has kind of settled in and really started to contribute and really started to, to I think, um, help push the pace for this team. You know, against Baylor, she was leading scorer, you know, uh, up against Texas. She she wasn't one of the leading scorers, but she was distributing the ball really well, kind of stepping in when Zakiya Franklin struggled a little bit. Um, and then against Oklahoma on Saturday, she scored a bunch. You know, she really kind of helped get things moving. Zakiya Franklin played well against Oklahoma. Unfortunately, Kansas had some foul problems and, you know, had some other issues against Oklahoma that kept them from, from being able to pull that game out. But you saw a team that was competitive in every single game that they've lost so far except for that Baylor game. And that Baylor game really was just Baylor finding a way to attack them in a way that they weren't prepared for. So, um, you know, this is definitely, I think, something where the Jayhawks are well-positioned to be able to make a run. You have to assume that some of the other teams in the conference are going to struggle. Um, You know, Texas and Oklahoma have some pretty tough things coming up, some pretty tough games coming up, you know, and I think – West Virginia's due for a couple upsets. You know, I think TCU's going to get an upset or two. You just got to hope that Kansas isn't one of them. Um, like, there are plenty of opportunities, I think, for the Jayhawks to move up. Yeah, and then Mayberry, you know, only played 24 minutes. Like you mentioned, because of foul trouble, but she was by far the best, uh, you know, like, with the most efficient player offensively on Saturday. And you look at that, you're like, well, Tayana Jackson did not have a good game. She struggled. She was in foul trouble. Uh, you, you, you shot, you know, 26% from three. It had a bunch of different issues, and you lost to a ranked team on the road by six. Like that's yeah. You know, the, they also went didn't wrong, have was... well. They also didn't have Chandler Prater available. She had she had an injury in practice that made it a lot more difficult. I think for them to do a lot of the things they wanted to do. She has been a big part of this offense and a big part of the way that they like to play, the way they like to get the ball moving. Um, that was definitely a dynamic, a, a dimension of that offense that they just were not able to to use because she wasn't available, which made it a lot harder. All right, so let's go ahead and jump over now. Um, looking at the week coming up, kind of like we said, uh, you know, the, the women, they have West Virginia coming up on the 18th, so on Wednesday, um, and then they, they actually travel up to Ames to go against Iowa State on the 21st. That is two games that they potentially could get wins in. Um, we'll be kind of keeping an eye on there. I don't know. Uh, I will be doing some sort of preview over on Blue Wings Rising of those, but don't, don't really have it, I think, enough to dive in here. Uh, let's take a look at the men's side, because obviously the big game coming up is this game against Kansas State. Um, Kansas State has been phenomenal at the beginning of the year, has been very, 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 or I think much better than a lot of people expected. Um, how much of that do you think is kind of the energy that Jerome Tang has brought um, and the transfer portal, and how much of it is just that this Big 12 is so difficult that, you know, they just have found little little crevices that they can crawl into and cause problems for people. Well, I mean, you know, Jerome Tang needs to be probably considered shortlisted for coach of the national coach of the year right now. I mean, it's, you know, no matter what, they've already eclipsed their win total from last year. So that says a lot. I also think, you know, I think, I think a lot of people listening probably know this story, but it is one of the best, you know, Keontae Johnson, if, if you don't know, he, you know, was with the Florida Gators, collapsed on the court two years ago, you know, diagnosed with a heart condition. At that time, I don't think anyone expected him to play college basketball again. Uh, you know, he, they, they brought him in last year. He was basically doing like a grad coaching thing for Florida. They let him suit up for senior day. He was out there for the tip, you know, and then they brought him out. The fact that not only is he playing again, but he is probably 
borderline all-American status right now with with him. I mean, 18 points, seven rebounds a game. Him and Marquise Noel, I mean, that in itself is a fantastic story for them. <clears throat> and and yeah, the you know, they um I think some of it is uh, you know, they they did not play a great tough stretch uh up front in the non-conference, uh but they got confidence from that. I think the Texas win was the one that was like probably pretty eye-opening. Um and they, it's interesting because you just have some guys like Keontae Johnson and, and Marquise Noel can just burn you on any given night and they go off and they've been on a hot stretch recently. I'm interested to see, you know, you could see this one probably with the crowd, how, how amped it's going to be, um, which actually, if I will, like, I think one of the things we didn't talk about in the Iowa State game, but it's applicable here too, especially with the crowd is, is a little bit of uh, appreciation for uh, Dwan Harris because Iowa state leads the country in forcing turnovers. They force turnovers on basically 30, 30% of opponents possessions. It, Kansas, not only did they only have 12 turnovers, but Dwan played 39 minutes and he had two turnovers to six assists. And like, he just is, he is not rattleable. Uh, if that is a word, I'm going to make it one right now. Yeah. And no, I say that going in. Yeah. I say that going in because you're going to be in as, you know, of course, uh, there's a lot made of like, uh, you know, Dr. Ghana doom being the best, uh, you know, home court in, in Kansas by a certain, uh, internet blogger who, uh, has some bad takes out there. And, and we will not give very, any more attention. Like we're not going to nope, name him nope. for people to go find it. If you know, what we're talking about, you know, what we're talking about. Um, yeah, I've, I've decided I'm going to ignore him the rest take. of the year. Yeah. But, but like, yes, it'll be loud in there. It'll be raucous. Uh, and which is why I would not be surprised at all if, if, you know, Noel, after having a rough game, like hits seven threes or whatnot. But I think that the thing for Kansas is, is that you've got a guy in, in your uh, holding the ball most of the time who, even if he doesn't score completely just changes the game for you. I mean, the fact that, you know, you put someone else out there against the Iowa state team when that's what they do, like he just, that, that presence and him and the ball in his hands and the way he facilitates the offense I know, you know, we would like him probably to score more and do some other things, but I don't think it can be, you know, stated enough just what that means uh, and why Kansas is, again, winning these close games uh, with efficiency. But Kansas State is also pretty good at, at forcing turnovers, so this will be an interesting one, especially given the environment to see how Kansas handles all of the just noise, uh, both literally and figuratively. Yeah, it's it's, it's funny. If, if, if you actually look at it um... – as great as Grady Dick has been, you know, from shooting from threes, he's not actually the leading three-point shooter for the Jayhawks in terms of percentage. Now, granted, Dewan Harris has only shot 28, but he's making 50% of those. Um, I don't think if people want him to score more. I think what it is is they want him to, they want him to be more of a threat to score um, because that's always been the issue is that, you know, teams will sag off of him to other players and he has not been willing to shoot what we've seen in the last four or five games is that he is much more willing to shoot. They finally gotten through to him that, Hey, if you're wide open and they're going to let you shoot that shot, go ahead and shoot it because you're a much better shooter than you give yourself credit for. Um, and that has made it a lot easier for other guys to get involved a lot easier for other stuff to kind of happen. Um, so yeah, Kansas going in there. Um, <clears throat> it's funny because I think I'm actually less worried about, the Jayhawks in this particular game um, in terms of, you know, the the potential for turnovers or things like that because, hey, guess what? Kansas State is not a team that really turns you over a lot. Um, you look at what they do on the year, they are 209th in terms of turnover percentage 
Uh, I'm sorry, they're the ones that have problems with turnovers. They they yeah, do turn yeah. their opponents over quite a bit, but Kansas has been pretty good at not getting turned over. I, 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 Just I, like Iowa State. Yeah, yeah. right, they, exactly. They, they so, give it up. They they turn, they force it, but then they cough it right back up. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, but but the other but the thing that Kansas State's defense does not do is keep their opponents off the offensive glass, um, which is something that Kansas has been pretty good at, and they send their opponents to the line quite a bit. So while while Kansas is not very good at getting to the line, um, they have done it decently well in the last you know little bit. So I, I will be very interested to kind of see what they're able to do there and how they're able to go ahead and get that that pulled off. But yeah, I mean, so so Kansas may have an opportunity to actually get to the line a little bit more. Um, you know, the other thing that, that Kansas State doesn't do is they don't really block shots very much. So that's not something Kansas is going to have to worry about. They also get blocked quite a bit. So like, I think play at the rim is the thing that really jumps out to me as something that could be helpful for the Jayhawks, especially since Kansas, you know, does not have those big guys at the rim defensively. Um I think that Kansas State will probably be a little bit more successful in this game at the rim than they typically are just because of the way that Kansas plays. But it's not like we have to worry, I think, so much about them constantly going inside. Um, That's not really their game. They play a lot out on the perimeter, and I do think that that helps a lot with the kind of defenders that the Jayhawks have out there, especially Kevin McCuller and Dewan Harris. Yeah, yeah, I think it's going to be – I'm I'm interested to see what the non – Marquise Noel, Keontae Johnson, players able to do like Desi Stills, who was a transfer from Arkansas. Some of the other guys who who then come in off the bench. Like I'm curious because I would imagine. Well, one, I'm curious about the defensive uh, assess assignments because I'm guessing that I would I would imagine that Juan Harris guards Noel and probably McCuller takes on Johnson because even though Johnson is a a forward, he's I don't know. I've seen six six. I've also seen six five. I think he's somewhere in that range. Definitely enough where you know, while he's got he's got size on McCuller, I think McCuller could probably get him. So who's who's that other guy going to be for K State? I think going back to the conversation about Iowa State too and the different options is when you know if Bill Self is able to take away one of Noel or or Johnson for an extent, is it is Desi Stills going to step up? Is Tomlin going to dominate down low? I'm I don't. I don't know the answer to that because it has been, you know, K-State has relied on such a two, you know, two-headed punch there that that I'm curious to see, you know, maybe they both do go off despite Harris and McCuller guarding them and, and they just have one of those games where Noel looks like Steph Curry out there and can't miss. But I'm curious about, you know, if K-State's going to win this game, it feels like there's someone else that has to step up um, kind of like with Oklahoma, Godwin got hot, you know, and was scoring and Sam Godwin, the guy, who, you know, someone who was not on the radar necessarily for for you on the scouting report. I, I'm not sure who that's going to be. And that's kind of a fascinating thing I'm watching for on Tuesday. I mean, we all know it's going to be Desi Sills going, you know, seven of eight from three. Right. Like that's that's what's going to happen. Uh, you know, the guy who's like, shooting like 25. He's, yeah, he's right shooting now. 25 uh, percent yeah. on the year. And so he's going to go off for like seven, you know, three pointers in this particular game. But I mean, yeah, no. This is um, Kansas is going to make it interesting. I, I will be very. I don't think this is going to be a game that's going to be played in the '90s, like you know that game against Texas. Like, if this is a super offensive performance for both of these teams, I mean, yeah, it'd be great to see that Kansas can score that much. But I, I do think that you know Bill Self is going to focus on defense. That the idea is going to be about avoiding you know that huge run. 
Kansas has shown less of a willingness or less of a tendency to try to run up and down the court this year than they have in years past. And and while they started at the beginning of the year, I think, to want to push the pace a little bit, I don't think that's really what they try to do anymore, um, which is weird to say because, you know, I mean, they are kind of top 60, top 70 in terms of pace over on Ken Palm. But um, I think a lot of that just has to do with the way that their defense turns offense, you know, with, like – if they're going quick, it's because they've gotten a good turnover that allows them to go and score pretty quickly. Otherwise, Kansas is not looking to push the pace nearly as much as I think they typically have. Which is interesting because you're right. If you look at conference only, uh, KU is seventh in tempo and K-State right now is number one. So when you look at it over the year, they're actually pretty comfor- comfortable in their pace of play. But in, in Big 12 play, K-State has ramped it way up. They want to run. They, they, and then KU is, is kind of wanting to slow it down. I'm curious too, because you're right. I would, I see this game beginning played out in the 70s, uh, even if it's the high 70s. I would also not be surprised if it's a really sloppy and ugly first, I don't know, four minutes before the media timeout because K State with the energy in that room is probably going to be a little jacked, maybe a little too much. So, you know, maybe KU needs a couple minutes, the new guys to kind of get adjusted to the atmosphere. Like I could see this being. Not necessarily. I, I would be surprised if it's you know eleven to ten at the under sixteen. Like I feel like this could be maybe an ugly one to start. Then everyone kind of gets their gets their legs under them. K State's going to try and push. Maybe I'm curious to see. You're right. How much KU kind of lets that happen or tries to to fight that a bit. But it feels like this is a game getting played in probably the mid to high seven. Yeah. The one thing I will say about that because you know I was in I was in the building for the Missouri game uh, when they were when they were at Missouri and that. Like, I have a hard time imagining that the atmosphere at Kansas State is going to be more intense than it was at Missouri. Um, now, granted, there won't be, like, the play one for the guy who's coming home type of situation that there was for Dewan Harris. Um, but this is a team that you look at the way that they responded against Missouri early. They feed off of that negative energy from the crowd. Um, so I, I, I don't know that it's going to take them a lot of time to – um, to adjust to what it is that Kansas State is you know, like, what what the crowd's doing. There is definitely the possibility, though, of them being overhyped, being too hyped, you know, playing too much into it, um, and and not necessarily making shots. The real question, I think, is just going to be: can they can they avoid the energy coming because Kansas State is just drilling threes or Kansas State is just drilling stuff um, pretty easily? You know, Kansas has to be very careful to make sure that Kansas State can't feed off of the energy of the crowd as much as they can feed off of that, that negative energy against them. So um, I think that's probably the most fascinating kind of uh, chess match. There is how much, how much is the, the amping up of the crowd going to help the Jayhawks versus helping the Wildcats? Because I think this is a team that has shown that they play better when the crowd is against them in a lot of cases, um, unless they're, you know, already struggling. Then of course, being home with Allen Fieldhouse can help, um, quite a bit to pick up, you know, the energy and pick up everything there. So, um, you know, it's it, it, as much as talk there is about difficult environments, you know, and, and being good home court advantages, like you saw when they went down to Texas Tech, like you saw this team feed off of that energy. Um, so it'll be very interesting, I think, to see just how helpful, you know, the, the octagon is going to be for the Wildcats. All right. Well, I think that's about it. Um, I don't know that I really have much else to do to break down this game. But before we get out of here, any any final thoughts that really strike you here or, or anything you want to make sure that people are paying attention to? 
No, it should be a fun week. You play number 13 and number 14 in the polls uh, before you get two straight road games at Baylor and Kentucky. So, like, I'm glad that at least Kentucky won a game against a decent team before it got to Kansas because I was going to be really upset if they had continued to not have any good quad one wins and then yeah. we were the first. So thank you, Tennessee, for that, I guess. Um, <laughs> but, no, it's, it's, it's a tough – I mean, look, January is a – gauntlet you don't you have to basically outside of kentucky is the only team until you get to february 11th that's outside of the top 30 in ken palm and they're 34th like it's it's going to be a stretch i think you're going to learn a lot about this team uh, and i think that even again they're, uh, they're going to lose a game or two the sky's not going to fall it's still a really good team um but i am fascinated to see how how they handle this stretch because if they, they come out of this with only one or two losses then then that feels like the real deal and you can kind of start talking about what kind of you know chances and hopes this team has in march yeah yeah i mean this is this is one of those things where um i think that they could end up losing a game or two and still feel better about this team based on the way that they play um because like you said this is not like there is there is absolutely no way that they are going to come out of this stretch um, you know, coming to February 11th without at least one loss. Um, I would probably guess at least two. Um, that's just, I mean, that's just the way that it is, the way that this, you know, and, and if they were to somehow win the conference with only, like, say, two losses, that's not a, like, you know, the Big 12 is not as good as we thought they were. That is a, man, that's a super impressive performance by, you know, whoever ends up winning with, with just two losses. So, um, yeah, I, I, again, we don't think it's going to happen, but, man, it would be quite the story if, you know, the best conference potentially in, you know, the history of college basketball and the Jayhawks were to win it or someone were to win it with just two losses. That'd be, that'd be crazy to be talking about that. Um, but kind of to your point, like I'm, I'm glad that we were shown that the transitive property in college basketball is not a real thing because then I'd be worried about that game against Kentucky considering the way that they beat Tennessee. But um, yeah, should be a lots of fun. Uh, the Big 12 SEC Challenge, I, I can't believe it's coming up that quickly, but it will be very entertaining, I think, to kind of see how all of that works out. Um, really, really looking forward to it. But that is going to go ahead and do it for us today. Kyle, thank you so much for joining me, and thank you guys so much for listening. If you have not already, please do go out wherever you get your podcasts, where it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, any of the other million apps that are out there. Just search for Rock Chalk Podcasts. You can subscribe. Get every episode as soon as it comes out. If you can give us a rating and a review, five stars, nice comments, be absolutely fantastic. But if for whatever reason you can't do that, just let us know what it is we can be doing better. We really do bring the podcast to you guys, get you all the information you need in as entertaining a way as possible. So if you ever have any comments, questions, suggestions, people you want to try to interview, anything like that, you can contact me by email at rockchalkpodcast at gmail.com or on Twitter at rockchalkpod. We are part of the 1012 Podcast Network covering all the teams in the Big 12 Conference. Um, find all the great shows that we have and and we do have another one that is getting ready to join the conference uh, i'm sorry getting ready to join the network here to cover another team in the new big 12 conference um, announcement will be coming i think at the end of the month so make sure that you are following all the great shows to get all the information you need about all of the teams in the conference do that by going to 1012network.com and getting all those links Thanks to our sponsors, Homefield Apparel, PricePix.com. Make sure you use promo code CHOCK12 to get some great deals there. But that's going to do it for us today. Thank you guys so much for listening. We will catch you guys next time on the Rock Chalk Podcast. Sports Social Podcast Network.